Content warning, discussions of drugs, transgender issues, sexual predation, and BDSM. Hello and welcome to the Billy Shears Club. I'm your host, Caleb Clark, and with me today we have Eric Rigg. How are you doing today, Eric? Hey, pretty good. Glad to hear. Well, today we've got two lovely albums for you folks. We have Food House by Food House and Max and Quay by Tricky. How about you start us off with a little bit about Food House there, Eric? All right, well, I know I speak about the hyperpop moment on every single record that every time I'm on this podcast, but the truth is the entire album is the hyperpop moment this time. So strap in. Um, Food House is the collaborative project of two proudly Gen Z American electronic musicians, um, Guppy and Fraxium. So Guppy is 22-year-old Florida-based producer Spencer Hawk, who studied music production at Berklee College briefly, but more on that later. Um, In 2018, his debut EP All was discovered by Charlie XCX, who asked him to do a session with her for her 2019 album Charlie. And even though the contribution wasn't used, he rubbed elbows with some hyperpop veterans like A.G. Cook, Umru, and Dylan Brady, and the latter of whose dog show records the today's album is released on. So that's kind of how these two um, <clears throat> got to be notorious within the hyperpop scene. Guppy's influences include Skrillex, Sophie, Britney Spears, and apparently Sonic the Hedgehog. Fun fact, Spencer is actually the son of world-famous skateboarding legend Tony Hawk, who is very supportive of his work, but, you know, Spencer makes a big deal of not at all involving his dad for fame, so he's making a name for himself. And then the other uh, collaborator that we have here is Fraxium, or Frax for short. Uh, They're the co-producer, main vocalist, and lyricist on the album. And this individual is closely associated with the PC Music Camp as well. They released their landmark EP, Feeling Cool and Normal, as well as some singles on Umru's label. Um, And they're heavily influenced by the nightcore genre, as well as this maximalist wave of circa 2010 pop sensibilities that you started to see with like Kesha and Lady Gaga and 303, artists like that. You know, when our generation was in elementary and middle school, the sort of music our uh, fundamentalist parents warned us about, you know, for our generation. So anyway, anyway, talking points for this album, I would say um, it's an exemplar of hyperpop as a genre circa this time last year. You know, it has everything, loopy EDM production with nightcore and late 2000s pop elements, pitch shifted auto-tune vocals with like gender related humor to match. And otherwise, you know, you have a lot of lyrics full of these pop culture name checks, anthems about uh, youthful Gen Z behavior, name checks of commercial brands, you know, and, and despite all that, there's some tracks here that demonstrate some emotional depth, which I really appreciate as well. So, yeah, that's what I enjoy about Food House. So, how about we dive in? Yeah, sure thing. I definitely do really like it. They're very good producers. I got a bit, good bit of heart to them. I will. I will be honest. For most of this review, I will. I will not be up to the irony levels required to truly adore this album. But I will be doing my best. I didn't think so, but you know, I think the thing about this album too is you kind of have to be in. You you kind of have to be familiar with the mythos of Food House in order to make sense of some of the humor because there's some jokes Mm. here and there that require a bit of explaining. But we will get into that. So. They didn't know I would need fo- yeah. footnotes for the for the Food House album. Like, what is this? 
Oh yes, it's an academic pursuit in here. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, let's do get into it then. So it starts off with soul, I believe. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is not necessarily one of my favorite tracks, but I think it's a solid um, album starter. You know, you have like this bloopy production with like this odd sort of <sighs> intro. You have like a neon cat sample and like there's just like a bunch of really odd stuff going on there you know what was there like a windows startup sound in there somewhere and then those lyrics are like surprisingly heartfelt actually you know kind of an interesting juxtaposition there yeah i did really like it i didn't pick up on the individual samples but i did just sort of really like the... It's really like heavily reverbed, and it's just there's like so much going on that it's kind of hard to tell. Like I literally had to look it up too. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, it's just got this really nice little sort of synth xylophone riff going, and like these really weird squelchy, squelchy tree uh, keyboards going, and it's just got this really pretty sort of spaced out sound to it, and they're just sort of yowling and auto tune. It's just, it's just, it's a very nice sound. It's very dreamy. It very much fits the uh, cover image, which is this sort of graffiti logo with behind, in front of a bunch of like blue swirls, and it's like, that's very nice, very nice sound. You're right. It does kind of match the cover image. I agree. It has kind of a blue sound, but it's yeah, yeah okay, right. And it's, it's 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 just catchy enough, you know, to stick in your imagination with that little like I'll run, I'll run, I'll run, I'll run, I'll run until the yeah. solid mushroom gives up the hook there. So, and you find a lot of those like I think on <laughs> most tracks, I think have several hooks buried in there that just sort of like if you listen to them enough, they just sort of stick in there, and you just wonder why it's yeah. not even part of the chorus, but. <laughs> The song structure here is just all over the place, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, it is experimental pop after all. Yeah. And it does really hit both of those sides, like, you know, the more experimental, just sort of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what fits, but also the pop, because it's just all really catchy and nice and fun. Right. Honestly, it's not necessarily peaking early, but I probably my favorite track on the album is this next one ride <laughs> oh that was yeah nice. yes it's just so sugary it's like such a banger right mm -hmm. and it's like it's got... it probably has my favorite lyric as well um that second verse that i go to target cvs at night it is the only time i feel alive like the first time i heard that i just laughed out loud like it's just so absurd but it's kind of real it's kind it's kind of relatable you know <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a different experience going to, you know, or CVS. Target not as much, but yeah, CVS at night, that's the, that's a different mood. Yeah. Night runs for, you know, snacks or yeah. socialization in the parking lot, which is apparently what this turns into here. It's like the lyrics are a total acid trip. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would make, you know, I didn't think of them taking acid. Like, they seem much more weed and ecstasy, but I could see acid. I could see more some like acid. Adderall. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, more like Adderall. And um, yeah, there's a lot of weed going around here as well. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I've, I've listened to this song probably 11,000 times and it just gets greater. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, probably my favorite. But there's yeah. a lot more to cover here. What was that? 
Oh, I was just gonna say I relate to like I like the drop and the little that that chorus line. It's kind of like if you put those 2010s um, proto hyperpop artists I mentioned earlier, and you drop them in a blender with like a hundred gex. Those nightcore six-hour compilation videos that you see on YouTube, Um, and this is kind of what you get—the chorus to this song. It's a nice chorus. It's very—it's very catchy, but also I will say it—it could get irritating if you're not quite in the mood for it. Like during part of this, I was sick and my ears were in pain, and I was not quite in the mood for Food House. That's probably not the most optimal condition to be listening to this album in. I'm sorry about that. Sure, that's okay. It was it was only part of it, so most of my opinion was very good. Right. But like that was just the a... riding along in the car, actually listening to this earlier for the eleven thousand and one time um, earlier today. I was like noticing how the chorus. Um, it's like you can't. It's really hard to sustain that note for a while. And I know for and I know for a fact that Frax is a isn't a trained vocalist. They've talked in like interviews and um, on social media before about how autotune like literally saved them as a performer. And yeah. and it's just and it's kind of interesting here to see what they do. And no, this is not a slight against them absolutely at all. But it's it's really interesting to see what they do with the vocals here to be able to like extend them and pitch them up beyond where they'd normally be able to go. But there was like a tweet of theirs that I was thinking of. They're a very um, entertaining presence on social media, if you follow them. But um, they said something like, why did I write songs like Butterfly Knife and Ride and Thos Moser and songs like that? Because I literally have to sing them now, like in live performances. <laughs> Which like these songs work like virtually but I, yeah I, I can imagine how performing them live like trying to sing along to them was a little difficult like you have to hold that ride for like eight beats at least it's very interesting that's all that's one of those where you just like point your microphone at the fans and hope they just sort of like generally shout it back at you yes yep yep it's what you have to resort to yeah. <laughs> um and they just any more to say about this track or no? That was about all I, like I had it. on that one. Yeah, it's nice because I mean, like they 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 really stay strong throughout this uh, middle part of the album. I think eight now is also a really great one. Um, because you have what was that? I was just saying, yeah. Hold on, let, let me take a look at the lyrics to this one because the lyric, like, yeah, there's a. Hedgehog characters and sighs about being or kissing Skrillex, which like the first time you listen to it, that kind of grabs your attention. You're just like, wait, what the heck is going on here? But um, this is a really enjoyable one to listen to as well. You know, it's it bops along. My personal favorite for wacky lyrics is probably the part where they say, like, I kind of get off Twitter or something that gives you mental illness. And like they have everyone shouted together. That was yeah, relatable. And yet, I'm st- here. I am still on Twitter, liking tweets and scrolling. <laughs> nope. Yeah. The refrain sure about I... like shoplifting from Walmart, the 5G that's on my phone, you know, 5G that mind control. It's just like it, it rolls off the tongue really well. It has a really nice rhythm to it. Yeah. I love this. You know, there's there's a lot more beneath the surface here when you really like start looking at the songwriting. <laughs> 
Yeah. His call and that like... bit... And there's like an improv little bit there and the bridge too, where like they're talking about in the crib eating Gerbers and like that was Frax talking. And then Guppy is like in the background saying, Frax, what are you talking about? That, that was like a completely improv bit that they decided to just keep in there, you know? Uh, yeah, that part. Uh, yes, that the, the tongue is planted yeah. firmly in the cheek the entire time. Oh, yeah. What was that? Like, Say that that improv that didn't really get me. That was one of those moments where the irony just went over my head. But yeah, you need to have your irony at a certain level, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I did really like it, uh, especially how the beat is just like the sort of spoofing on like just festival EDM type stuff with you know the little piano and the just the sense going da 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 da. Right, right, right. The this is, this is marshmallow. The marshmallow gone <laughs> berserk. Right, right. Marshmallow or really Skrillex, even you know, like the name drop. Yeah. yeah. Because who wouldn't want to be or kiss Skrillex? Let's be honest. I I don't. His hair was silly. <laughs> it was rhetorical, darling. But yeah, I also like the uh, sort of breakdown outro, very, you know, sort of abrasive and edgy and cool. Yeah, with the sample from that evil ending of that Shadow the Hedgehog game, apparently. <laughs> I'm going to destroy this planet. I thought that was Frax, like the first several hundred times I listened to it, just like doing a voice. <laughs> but nope, that's a sample. So yeah, this, this album is full of those little um, Easter eggs and moments like that. <laughs> that next track 51129 is really interesting to me as well it's also another one of my favorites um, don't worry we'll get to that middle section eventually uh, <laughs> but yeah this is another one of those tracks where I think that they show a little more emotional depth they're talking they seem to be talking about um, not really sure if this song necessarily has a backstory, but like it's someone who they've had to do the speakers had to put emotional boundaries between them and the person that they're talking about. So yeah, and it's yeah. It, it's fun. It's really interesting how they make that into a bop. How it's still yeah. like a jammable pop song. Yeah, with like little dubstep bits and all that. It's definitely one of the most yeah. emotionally. Charge songs on the album, I think. Apparently, the yeah. title was supposed to be 51120, but there was a typo at some point along the distribution process before the mm -hmm. album got released. And um, May 11th, 2020 was supposed to be like a really crappy day that um, one of the two of them had had. And so, this was mm -hmm. a song about that day. So, if that clears up any confusion about that title. Uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, anyway. And after that, we get one you know where they go into like full abrasive grimy. This one is like mode. full on. Like they start off with, with like this full on dubstep breakdown to start the track off, which I thought was really interesting. Like it's not what you expected. Mm hmm. Yeah. Flips the switch on you. Yeah, and then like, but then also like switch back to the really pretty style for a couple seconds, and then that's all just very. Silly. Oh yes. 
Yeah, uh, it's a good. The songwriting, like I said, is kind of all over the place. Not a bad thing. Um, but the song structure kind of just like leaps back and forth. You think that there's going to be a chorus here, and there isn't. They decide to give you yet another verse. And I think that happens on this track as well. There's like one point where it's like building up towards a chorus and the synths like get yeah. louder and louder and you think there's going to be like a drop, but then like, oh, another verse. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those tracks that subverts expectations. I think it's not necessarily one of my favorite ones, though. It gets overshadowed by that next one, uh, Most Thoser, which I think is like the centerpiece of the album, really. Oh, it's this is the one where the irony hits the best for me. So in that sense, yes, yeah. this is centerpiece. Most like that. This one is the hit. If you, yeah, it's their best performing song, um, I think, and it's a reference mm -hmm. to their debut single, Thosmoser, which I think <laughs> I mentioned earlier. But um, there's a bit of yeah, there's a bit of self-referential humor going back on here. That bit at the beginning about the lieutenant. Um, that's apparently um, Spencer Guppy had posted some sort of odd image with him and Frax, and like he was attending Berkeley College at the time. I'm not sure if he is anymore, but like, especially after this kind, including this kind of sample on his work, but like the police of the college just contacted him, and so this is uh, the sample that he decided to use, you know, kind of like a kiss off to the college. A disturbing tweet between you and Frax. Yeah. Who knows? That's the number one rule when you're getting private these issues. liberal arts college ethos. Yeah, I was gonna say the number one rule of dealing with yeah, I mean, the, the, you see, the number one rule of dealing with a musician: never leave a message on their mailbox. They will sample it. Oh. They will, and they will add Minecraft pig noises to it. Yeah, and also lyrics about thimbofication and like getting added what to even compilations. Is that? What is that? What does that even mean? That you kind of catch yourself thinking that as you listen to the album. Like, what is this even? Thimbofication? Sure, I'll take it. It means you turn into a thimbo. It's like you you're non-binary. You you smoke weed and you listen to smoke, uh, Sophie. I just gotta I say, know. I heard this song over a year ago, and that and that little refrain where it's like "New World Order, No More Gods, Only Sophie." Y'all know God is trans. <laughs> that 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 gets stuck in my head still to this day. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, what an anthem. Yeah. No, this is basically honestly. I think the um, you know, the irreverence, the irony, the humor. It really hits its peak here. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. Yeah, they sample their. Uh, breakout single Thosmoser, which is also really great. Um, <clears throat> but this is just that turned up to steroids on like 2.0. You know, I definitely really like it. And all the little twists and turns it takes, it's just a really good song. It's there, it's peak. Yeah, again, it's what, what they did on the previous track where, where they like switch expectations up, they do that here over and over again, like verse after verse after verse. And you think it's it kind of feels like you've been listening to it for an hour when it's done, but like in a good way. Yeah. I don't say so. I don't say so. So anyway, 
I'm glad you enjoyed that as well. Yeah. <laughs> another acceptable, another perfectly acceptable candidate for a perfect track on the album, in my personal humble opinion. Um, so what was the next track? Uh, Curses. Curses. Oh, yes. Yes, this one's kind of a groove. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess the mel melody on this one is kind of repetitive, so it's a little harder to get into. But what, how, how did you feel about this one? I thought it was interesting, like sort of the DJ Mustard bass, and then it turns into like Witch House for a few seconds. And then like, it seems one of the probably... I don't know. It was very much like an old school West Hot West Coast hip hop beat, like at the beginning, sorta. Yeah, and it's got like the lyrics seemed a little bit closer to like an actual like personal introspective song with like a lot more lines about being trans and like a uh, needing money. Like that seemed more emotionally on. Like it's still through the lens of like you know, don't tweet me and stuff like this but it's like there's a little bit more emotional honesty than you get used to in a lot of the a lot of the album i think but only a little bit more totally well the album like definitely speaks to, to the gen z um gender non-conforming experience i think um so yeah. if there is a sense that like they're working through um young people stuff then that is probably pretty accurate you know, yeah. let him say it here since they can. Turfs should die. Don't tweet him. <laughs> a sentiment I proudly co-sign. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, lots of puns here. It's honestly, it, there's a lot of, there's, there's good stuff here. It's definitely not one of my favorite tracks or one that I have on repeat, but, you know, you get um, little shout outs to like the Chicago Pedway. Um, but yeah, no, not necessarily one of my favorites. And I would kind of say the same thing about that next one, Clown Nose. Yeah, I, I didn't like that one too much with like the weird glissando riff. I like the breakdown parts, but not much else. Yeah, it's like you kind of, it, yeah, it's one of those songs where like, it's, it feels like different songs grafted together. Mm. And they really pull that off to, to, to excellent effect on most of those or some of the earlier tracks, but here it just kind of feels like the well's running a little dry, I guess. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, definitely on the back half of the album, lyrically too, I think there's a bit more um, frustration and a bit more... How, how do you put it? You know, kind of what you said when you mentioned... Um, it's a, a lot of humor has to do with don't tweet me, you know, being very defensive. Mm -hmm. um, the album was recorded when Guppy and Frax were kind of hanging out together back home in Massachusetts mm -hmm. during the COVID-19 quarantine. And so Frax was not dealing well with having to go back to their hometown. And so that's kind of what, that's kind of a lot of the bitterness that you see on tracks like Metal and um, this one as well. Pharmacy. Well, not so much pharmacy, but that's kind of kind of what they're getting back at. The lyrics about boomers. Um, yeah, I think you'd see a bit of that here. 
Also yeah. on, but yeah, on metal though. Can we talk about that one? Yeah, sure. Hey Siri, is Ronald Reagan dead? Ronald Reagan died in 2004. Thank God. <laughs> no, like, I, that's another one. You just, like, you have to laugh out loud, right? Yeah. It, was, it just kind of catches I mean, you off guard. I mean, just the sheer reference of any time you use the, the announcement of someone's death for a drop, like, you gotta giggle a little bit. Like, yeah, no. It depends on the situation. So much of this album death, is about but... absurdity. And, uh, and I, I, a lot of that hyper-pop ethos is keeping your tongue firmly planted in your cheek, even as you're, you know, spilling out your heart, which I think is kind of what happens some here. I like metal. It's actually one of my favorite tracks on the album. I, I like the... I like the energy level. I think level. it goes pretty hard. Yeah, I like the I like the energy level and the throwing in the middle parts, and like the lyrics are very confrontational and weird. But I don't know. It felt like one that maybe should have been more like a skit song length, like you know how Pharmacy was a little bit shorter. Like it felt like it should have been. Because like, there's a lot of me ranting about how M.A. Massachusetts sucks and how all those townies are terrible and, you know, keep my name out your mouth. There's at least a couple verses about that, and I, I kind of agree. Maybe this one went on a little bit too long, but hey, it's a metal song. It's called metal. <laughs> They're supposed to be angry. That's the point. <laughs> That's pretty nice. This is their genre foray. <laughs> Wish I had no brain like the Lily. Yes. Yeah, no, there's just a ton of memes here. It's all memes, bro. Race the memes. Nardwar gets referenced. Yes, right? Like internet kids. Pretend Bernie won. Uh, <laughs> this one is probably, yeah, no, this is definitely the most political track here, and I, I appreciate them for it. Yeah, it's got the one. It seems like they're the, um, it, it's very much a track about being pissed at your hometown, I guess, mm. and the people who live there, and the people that you kind of have to live with at a certain stage in your life, and that's a feeling I can relate to personally. Oh, I the think we skipped over. Yeah. Oh, I think we skipped over. Yes, pharmacy. we did. We didn't go to. We, we didn't talk about pharmacy because I, I I wanted to talk about things, but yeah, pharmacy. Mm. Wow. SpongeBob, the Wii menu noise. I would say it was a decent parody of SoundCloud rap. I would say it was a pretty good one. Yeah. No, yeah, this is another uh, genre <laughs> experiment, I guess. And I, this one is just a lot of fun. It's iconic. I, I, I definitely think Pharmacy, this one in particular, would be a fun one to bang along to at a live show. It seems like something that you would benefit from more in that setting. Yeah, since it's all loud and energetic and like... Because some of these, like, I can just straight up listen to and bop along to in the car, but, like, some of these, it's like, okay, there's some sort of, like, communal aspect that's missing here, you know? Kind of like with <laughs> Next Level Charlie. Like, not that Next Level Charlie's a bad opener, but you know what I mean? Like, you gotta see it live. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Watch it, Get into the exit streets. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And there's less bitter lyrics on this one, too. It's just a lot of, um... 
I guess absurdly throwing out these brand names. You know, open up the phone, watch the car on Uber as it brings you to your destination. Don't we all? I don't. I think. Are we ready for the closer? Foresight? Yeah. That was nice. I mean, I think this one is a really great track. Um, another instance where I think there's some emotional depth being shown, and it's not just whining about Twitter <laughs> or drama or whatever, you know? And we, I think we, we get another look into, I guess, the personal life of the author, which I always appreciate, you know? Vulnerability is always good. Yeah, and it's, really it's not all over the place either, you know? It builds up for about three minutes, and you, kind of, and you feel like there's a sense of urgency, and then that, like, second verse, it's just a total banger. Like, there's a drop, and it hits. And it's easy to drive fast to, let's put it that way. <laughs> That's it. I really like it. Uh, my notes, I have that it... You know how, like, at the end of all open specials, he has, like, the big emotional auto-tune noodling part. Like that's, uh, yeah, at the at the very end? Yeah. Like, uh, that's how I sort of felt about, like, the first part of Foresight, where it's, like, like you say, opening up and, like, doing these big atmospheric synths and auto-tune, right. and then suddenly dance beat. It's just... Right. No, I kind of like the juxtaposition there, you know? I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it takes some time to open up and... Oh, what about the lyrics? I was gonna say they're just really sad about like feeling dead inside and losing connection to your friend. Like, sort of. Yeah, I know. It's it's very regretful and wistful, right? But even yeah. so, they their tongue planted in their cheek. You know, apologize if I was taxing. If I called you like a boomer calls a taxi, like where'd that come from? Yeah, they managed to slip the jokes in there. No, you know, I don't know. Robert De Niro or something. I, I don't know about the taxes. But yeah, really nice clothes. Who needs tonal consistency? It's hyperpop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. Overall, I mean, it's a fun record. I think it's one of the most interesting that came out that i listened to at least of last year um it's got some bops and it's got quite a story behind it and i'm just i'm really excited to see whatever they have coming out next i mean they have like another single that came out earlier this year but other than that it's been pretty much radio silence from the food house camp oh really? yeah let's see you yeah, that was really nice. Honestly, like, just really enjoyed going into the recklessness and, like, all the really good production. All these interesting melodies they throw in there. Right. I mean, it's not for everyone. Like, not every track is for everyone. Like, there's a couple duds, like, even in my case, I think. But, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, yeah, are we ready to move on? All right, sounds like it. So, 
some background on Tricky, which will also be some background on Trip Hop, because I don't know how if we'll be doing other Trip Hop albums anytime soon. But, uh, so, Tricky is born in, uh, Bristol, England, and has a pretty rough childhood. Uh, his mom dies when he's four, his dad's pretty involved in the music scene, and he's raised by various family members, mostly his grandma, who apparently lets him stay home and watch horror movies from back in the day instead of go to school a lot. And when he's in his teen years, he starts getting into music and also into, like, petty crime, but then one of his so-called friends sets him up for a forgery charge, and after a stint in prison, he decides, no, I'm going to stick to music now. And so he becomes a full rapper and starts doing stuff. Now, for a bit of context uh, on the music world of Bristol at the time. Uh, it's a kind of artsy, laid-back port city in England. One of the largest black uh, populations in England. One pretty strong uh, West Indies immigrant community. And also a uh, pretty good drug culture over there, apparently. And so one of the things that came over with the West Indies immigrants was this sound system, which is basically where you have a bunch of DJs hook up to a big speaker or something, and they all sort of like play together. It's pretty cool. And like a soul to soul on an episode that we covered earlier they were another sound system he joins up with the local one called the wild bunch who kind of sound like a cross between hip-hop and reggae and it's all really upbeat and they do well enough to have some like successful shows in england and do some touring in japan but their two radio singles flop and they disband by the end of the 80s but a few of the members decide to form a new group called massive attack and they say hey tricky Come be a rapper for this album. And thus, they put together the album Blue Lines, which is considered the first uh, trip-hop album, which is this big thing in the early to mid-90s Britain, uh, where it's like sort of an electronic genre that's like dub with hip-hop and alternative rock, and it's usually like these druggy, gloomy, digging-through-the-crates type beats with uh, ethereal singing and like very stilted rapping, if there is rapping on them. And... It kind of sets the blueprint, although Tricky and several members of trip-hop actually really hate the term. Like, they think it just means lounge music, basically, and that they're that they're more than the label. In fact, uh, Tricky at some shows would go, you guys want to hear some trip-hop tonight? And they would be like, yeah, and then he would be like, get out. But, uh, yeah. Tricky pretty soon decides that he feels sort of artistically limited in trip-hop and goes solo, and... To make his first album, he works with singer Martina Topley Bird. And this is actually a pretty sketchy part because by virtually all accounts, including Tricky's own website, they meet when he is 22 and she is 15. And the dates aren't exactly clear. I wasn't able to read through his entire autobiography. But they definitely have a child when she is 20 and he is 27. And there's some romantic relationship. And it's it's pretty creepy. If it's not straight out you know, pedophilia, it's definitely grooming. And it's very gross and it should be acknowledged. And like I did not know this when I was going when I picked the album. I only found out during research and at that point it would have been somewhat hypocritical to stop the the uh, episode because uh we'd already covered Paul Simon and David Bowie, both of whom have allegations against them. But anyway, moving on uh, in 1995, they released the album Max and Quay, which is has a lot of critical acclaim, hits number three on the Billboard charts, and is, is usually discussed as one of the big four of 
Trip Hop alongside Portishead's Dummy, uh, DJ Shadow's Introducing, and either Blue Lines, Protection, or, Mas- or Mezzanine of Massive Attack. And so it, he ends up being pretty huge for a couple of years, uh, does a lot of remixes and collaborations, puts out a few more albums. He's hugely productive. But uh, by the end of the 90s, he and Martina have a falling out. She'll, have, she'll go to her own solo career and do collaborations with like the Gorillas, and Massive Attack, and uh, Diplo and Primus. And meanwhile, Tricky relocates to uh, New York and focuses on uh, his career over there. Because at this point, Trip Hop's kind of hit oversaturation, got become edgeless. And also the general mood of Britain after Tony Blair gets elected is much more Spice Girls and uh, you know Chemical Brothers and Prodigy and Fatboy Slim. Basically a lot more upbeat and up-tempo. And even the stuff that's like mellow, it turns more to down-tempo like Air and Moby. But anyway, uh, not much happens after that. He eventually forms his own label, reunites with a Massive Attack for a little bit. Uh, I think he reunites with Martina in 2016 and then puts out uh, his biography Hill Around the Corner and yeah that is the general biography of Tricky this is his debut album Max and Quay it is named after his mother and it's sort of kind of typical trip hop in the way that it's like just the general archetype and but just like really good and yeah what'd you think Well, bravo. I mean, I, I really enjoyed this album a ton. Like, I think it rocks. Yes, there are some skips, like, here and there, I guess. I mean, like with any album. But I guess um, the main word that would come to mind in the album's... if When describing this album's production is, like, gritty and um, imprecise. There's a lot of... And that's a really good... And I mean that is a good thing. I don't mean that in a bad way at all, like... You know, there's a ton of reverb. Everything feels, like, a little far away, like it's being viewed through a drug trip or, like, yeah. just sort of... But not, like, a fun drug trip, like, you know, like on Food House, you know, it's, it's more like you're coming... Da- the come down from a drug trip. Um, <laughs> and the character portrait that we see painted here is really kind of that of addiction. You know, there's... Because um, he had a past as kind of a drug dealer, wasn't didn't he? Uh, I'd have to double check. The crime seemed to be more like, you know, burglary and yeah. violence. Like that, like just I know he had a really period of drugs. life. Right. Yeah, it ended, like, it does he, seem to be a lyrical theme here. Right. Oh, yeah. It does seem to be like a big lyrical theme here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is lots of, lots of uh, ingestion of narcotic substances. Yeah. And this time I did actually watch the music video and yeah, it's pretty like the one I saw for a hell around the corner was really weird as it just the one like, where he's like spinning around in the red room with the makeup. Yeah, and like he's sw- like switching places. Yeah. 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 No, I, apparently the that some of the promotional material for this album showed them in like gender bending fashion, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, like, just really into that spray show, and like, it's twenty years before Young Thug was doing it. So, like, yeah, yeah, he paved the way. 
The sound mm -hmm. palette here is also really similar to like, several favorite 90s albums of mine that experiment with the genre. I mean, I noticed mm -hmm. that Mark Saunders, who produced the record, he also mm -hmm. um, executive produced or like worked on Raw Like Sushi by Nanny Cherry and Wish by The Cure, which I both I love both of those. Um, and I and uh, Tricky ran around in the same circles as Bjork in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, they collaborated some. I think they dated for a little bit. Her debut album is very trip hop, so like very much that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when I get into like a specific... oh, sorry, what? Oh, sorry. Sorry. You go. Yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. What specific tracks do you want to start off with? Um, you could start from the top. Okay. Overcome. Fitting opening track for the opus to come, you know. It's not like a lot of strong emotions here, though. There's just kind of like a lightly jealous protagonist, but not that much. And there's yeah. like a lot of heavy reverb that kind of emphasizes that feeling. Yeah, definitely. It's all like she, Martina just sounds very disaffected and kind of like low-key jazzy and like like she's a little she's suspicious but like too cool to like be you know in pain or anything and like all the it's got those good grim drums and the synthesizers that sound like ambient music in the uh siberia levels from golden eye 007 but then like the yes. chorus comes in and sort yeah, of like how old was she when... sorry how old was she when she when uh they recorded this uh, let's see, it came out when she was 20, so she probably would have... I think they, I think oh, they were okay. re recording, like, a couple of the songs, like the singles, they were already recording by, like, 93, so she would have been 18 to 20, I think, for the recording. She's like, oh, wow, okay. She's so young, don't waste your life, kid. I'm just, like, hearing her, like, <laughs> de deliver these depressing lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, when the chorus comes in, it all just sort of washes slowly. It's just a really cool effect. Very nice trip. Oh, yeah, total vibe. Yeah. Well, so and it's just it like was... you're, you're left with kind of like... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I just had a fun fact. Well, my train of thought crashed, so give us your fun fact. Right. Oh, uh, so... And the... As it sometimes happens with bands when there's a breakup, uh, there's actually a Massive Attack version of this album that shows up on the Protection album called Karma Coma. It's it's not oh, as good. That's why she says that. Yeah, it's it's it. Instead of having like one of the lady singers who hangs around, they have one of the their rappers on hand do it, and we'll get to Tricky's own rapping skills, but. It's just, it's just not as good as Martina singing. So, yeah, I, I mean, she's like the primary vocalist here, honestly. Yeah, she's the main one. Yeah, which to be fair, Miss Tricky... lyric on this track, she says, "When we funk, we hear beats," which was completely, like, completely intentional, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, a little funny and little Prince self did that too. Yeah, on the radio, I think George Clinton. George Clinton did it a lot. Yeah, and him too. What is it with yeah. them? They just... They, well, they did the it. 70s. 
They just didn't want to say the swear words. Nope. Nope. It was all about the funk back then. Yeah. Yeah. Although on this one, it's a lot more about inadequacy, which is a really weird song topic when you think about it. You don't hear a lot of songs about just not being enough or something that isn't in a super inspirational way. Like, this is just like, I'll never be enough. Right, there's an odd dissonance because it's such a vibe of a track, like you said, with that chorus that just yeah. washes over you. But it's a song about just fear of never being enough and just, you know, drifting from person to person. Anyway, it kind of, you kind of hear that same ethos continue on the next track, like Ponderosa, the first of many, well, at least a few intoxication songs. Yeah. I really like yeah, the kinda... um, beat in the background of this one. Yeah, with that sort of Tom Waitsy percussion, as well as sort yeah. of like and... Right. Yeah. Right. I was thinking like Tom Tom Club, but trip hop. Like, it's just, like, sort of very faded, but it clunks along. Yeah. Yeah, they're just kind of drunk and ponderous, if you will. Yeah, it's got a very wallowing feel, and, like, the that one line, line about weeping wino. Like, I like that line. Yeah. Yes, melting down, or whatever she says. Yeah. She drinks till she's drunk, and she smokes till she's senseless. And there's kind of, the second verse is kind of like about hallucination, like you kind of get into this depersonalized state when you've gotten that deep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, some deep stuff just on the first couple tracks here. Mm. It's a good way to snag us in, right? Oh yeah. And then after that, <laughs> time for a beat My switch. favorite track on the record. Personally, my favorite. Uh, this one's a bop. Probably, it's up there for me, too. Um, yeah. It's a cover of the 1989 Public Enemy deep cut, Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. Mm -hmm. Which, and it kind of like repeats the first verse of that song a few times, actually. Yeah. Which is a... But the original track has like four more verses about how he goes and like executes his jailbreak and gets the steel and gets out of there. Yeah, which definitely puts a lot more cynical twist on it because, like, you're just sort of left exactly with what I was thinking. Yeah, feeling of being trapped. Although it's also there's also a little bit of comedy since, like, the original Black Steel starts off. It's like a, a like you know, craft and unfair treatment of African Americans in like Vietnam, or like that. It was made well after the draft ended, but at least it was like just within a generation. Like this is made 35 years after the uh, draft ended in the UK, so it's like okay, but also just like has a really good beat. So it's like yeah, With all the synths and all the rock guitars. I mean, sure, like definitely the draft isn't something that would have um, been applicable to tricky personally so but i mean is the song dated or i mean because police brutality and compulsory enlistment in like the military industrial complex are still relevant topics in 2021 i mean in certain nations you know it's still timeless 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's fair. It's like on the larger institutional level, but like just that specific part. Always just sort of. Of course, it feels a little cynical coming from someone who never had to be drafted. Sure. Yeah, no, but still, I mean, the track is a bop. Like, it's five minutes long. It doesn't end too early. It kind of replaces this stripped-down um, East Coast hip-hop vibe of that original with, like, these booming rock guitars and drums and, of course, all, all of that heavy reverb. So... Yeah. Yeah. Hip-hop had a really good relationship with alt-rock in a way that, like, 90s hip-hop wasn't quite able to get, which is which is nice to see. Right, right. No, I, there's a lot of genre experimentation going around here, which I definitely think is so cool. Yeah. No, and I, and it's it's an up tempo track, which always gotta love those, especially yeah. on an album that's kind of dark and you know down tempo is this one. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, Hell is round the corner. Yeah. So, well, first off, this is the first one where Tricky is really rapping in full, which I don't quite know how I feel about his rapping skills overall. It works well on some songs for me personally, not on others. But also, that might just be because trip hop has a different standards for the actual rapping part of you know rap and whatnot. But uh. I think he, it's an interesting like song, just him sort of like taking you through all these warped corridors in his mind and in Bristol, but it's also just really distracting because they use the same sample as a Glory Box by Portishead, which is like one of the most famous trip hop mm. songs. And, and I don't think they managed to beat Glory Box on here, but once you get past that in your mind, I think it's okay. I think it's pretty good. Right. It's the inferior Isaac Hayes sample for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually like this track, though. I think it's, again, a vibe, like most of the album. I think you can say that about a lot of trip-hop. Yeah. Um, and the music video is definitely something to behold. Oh, yeah. I just feel like the lyrics here are um, very impressionistic. It's like a little, it's, I don't know. It kind of feels, hmm. Yeah, it's another intoxication song. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I'm not oh. sure if I necessarily um I, I'm not sure if I'm necessarily a, as much of a fan as of those as the ones with like statements. Mm. Yeah, so you know, it's a vibe. Yeah, and that is the thing. Like with the trip hop, it does tend to lean more on like. As much as they wanted to be like, oh, we're not just, you know, lounge, we're not just, you know, the chill-out music, there is a very much an aesthetic you know, emphasis. So that is, that is fair. It does tend to, like, stick to what, what you know sometimes. Yeah. And after that, we get right. Pumpkin, which I think you said you really liked. Yeah, that's a fun track. You got a little... Um, interval pulsing through there. It's and I don't really understand the lyrics on this one much either, but I think it's 
Um, the vocalist is Allison Goldfrapp, um, and I really like Goldfrapp's work. They're a English, um, I want to say they're a trip hop group, but um, they've also dabbled in other styles like pop and electronic synth pop. So yeah, worth checking out. But yeah, I, li I like her contribution here as well. It's the only um, track here that I don't think features Martina. Oh, there's a there's a track later on with a with a lady named Raga. Uh, you don't feel. Oh, you're right. Oh, you don't. You're right. You're right. You're right. Forgot that one. Yeah. But I mean, only two. <laughs> Martina, really? Yeah. No, Martina's really the star here. But I think no. I think the other. I think the other guests hold their own. Yeah. I should I should mention at this point since like a lot of it has been a little bit teasing tricky and like being like Martinez to start he's the one who's like writing all the lyrics and composing and producing the whole thing so he's like much more a no for sure we're just board guy like teasing men because it's fun to tease men of course yeah especially when they are kind of sketchy like that yeah well yeah yeah Pumpkin's yeah nice. how do you feel about yeah. this one yeah it's another one that's got a nice you know Got a nice sort of you know general vibe to it. It feels a little bit lighter than the other ones. I think I think Goldfrapp's a little bit like slightly tiniest bit more upbeat of a vocalist. Maybe I don't know. Yes. And, yeah, it's a kind of a moment of levity there. You know, it's giving us a break from Martina's the way that she delivers that character portrait. <laughs> Um, that next track, Aftermath, is also really great. Goes on yeah. for like what seven minutes or so. Yeah, it's it's the it's the long one. It's the trip hop jam. Oh, there's there's several. <laughs> there's the other long one too. Well, yes, I mean, they're all trip hop jams, but I mean like the one that just like doesn't end. Yeah, yeah, that is the longest one. Yeah, it goes like nearly eight minutes. Like. Phew. Good yeah, no, this is another one of those like chopped and screwed sample ones, but um, the lyrics are pretty bare bones here. Um, there's a few samples, and I just they're they're not for once talking about you know, fear of intimacy or drug abuse. You know, it's actually it, there's actually some sort of security that's being expressed here, and I like that. It's kind of like the yeah. oasis in the middle of the album, along with the track before it. Yeah, sort of the sort of the love song, a little bit. And we might as well at least have one wholesome moment, right? Yeah, and I mean they got the Marvin Gaye sample on there. They got a nice little guitar and the flute. It's nice. Yeah. Right. Right. No, this is a night drive track, definitely. Yeah. For those looking at playlists out there. <laughs> um, another one of my favorites is probably the next one, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you pronounce this one? Abon Tracks? I guess so. Abon? I don't know. That's my best guess. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. What's your opinion on this one? 
test the waters. I I didn't have a lot on it. I thought it was I thought it was slightly more forgettable to me personally. It just seemed very you know hedonistic and like, oh we're having sex and doing drugs. Sex track. Yes, there's like the chopped and screwed seventies porno groove, which yeah, um, you know it's a, the, the typical sample that I think they would use for that. It's not something you would play in front of your mom. No. I I don't think would my mom like tricky? I don't think so. I don't think she would like tricky. Mm. I don't think. Maybe you should ask. Is that an experiment you want to try? <laughs> I wouldn't do this one. I wouldn't yeah, not this track for sure. I'll look around and see what Honestly I... though, Black Steel's enough of a banger. Or Brand new year retro. Oh, there we go. Time for Which, a dance. Like, track. Starts off with this like buzzed off like bad sample. Like, what was that all about? I, I don't know. I'm just here to. I'm just here to party. I'm just here to. It, it's so fun. Ooh. It's like it, it. Yeah. No. It's. Yeah. This is this is definitely the party moment of the album. I would agree. Yeah. Another up tempo track. Because there's a ton of like different samples going on here as well. Let me let me look this up on who sampled and see. Right. And do your retro. It starts off slow, but it builds up, and then like in the middle of the track, he suddenly flips it, and it turns into this like this very up tempo. Like again, I use this phrase a lot. The blanket turn, trip hop jam. It sounds yeah. like a fat boy slim deep cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Very I can see that. Like the latter half of this track. Where it gets yeah. fast. <laughs> and with all the record scratches. Like that is where it really that's where it really hits the groove for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked it up, uh looks like the samples are just uh bad and two public enemy songs. So. They really do like their public enemy, don't they? Yeah, I mean they were they were a good group. Yeah. Is there any like the connection there? Did they collaborate, or like is it? Or did they just like admire them a lot? I mean, I can look it up, but like, I mean, the public Probably enemy. not. Were... I mean, like, but it's kind of an interesting idea, right? Yeah, I guess it's like you know just one of the more popular. Groups that could have come over, and plus, like, Public Enemy is definitely one of the, like, more sample-heavy rap groups from, like, from the era, so they might have admired that as far as, like, you know, the samples and whatnot. Right. Not seeing anything about, like, a real connection beyond. We like Public Enemy! Sample Good for them. I want. I hope they appreciated the homage. Um. So this last few tracks on the album, how do you feel about this? It gets a little slow near the end. I don't know, honestly, like of the last four, I thought two of them were definitely some of the best tracks of the yeah. album. And then you know. Like a, yeah, no, slow. I'm not. I don't mean that in a bad way. It definitely like slows oh, down. Oh, just like 
Yeah, yeah, this is weird, like, really. No, definitely. Like, Struggling is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does we could do go next to Suffocated Love, where basically Tricky talks about how he's how he's a sub, basically, and, like, this is the yeah. one where his his clothes work best on this one because it's, like, so, you know, sort of she has him by the hair, as it were. Yeah, and he's just like kind of reveling in his very low-key stout way. And just like, it works. I This mm-hmm. is a track that really only he could have pulled off, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, this one is definitely another favorite. Um, yeah. As far as love songs go, <laughs> it's it's more expressive than like, say, aftermath which is just more of the jam type track this is where more of the story gets told i think a story is kinky oh yeah yeah no and we don't know if she's good for him either in fact the implication is i don't think so that that that, that's fair that is fair I mean, if you think back to the first track, it's just how this lover that she keeps going back to is just fickle and is just going to keep cheating on her. I kind of feel like if this is part of that same story being told. hmm. So what do we come to next? You don't. Yeah. And who's the vocalist on this one? Again, her name's Raga. Raga, okay. R A G G A. Yeah. That's sort of a. Yeah, I know. I like her contribution here. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely a lot more dramatic, and so she like shows up nicely against like the reggae beat. It's nice. But, like, there isn't too much lyrical meat to work with, you know. Well, okay, there's, like, a verse in here. A lot of it is, you don't, being said over and over. Right. Right, it's like, you don't, you don't, and just, like, a lot of poetic stuff, which, you know, if you're going to make an album about drug addiction, you got to have the artsy track. Speaking of the artsy track... Well... This next one? Yeah, that's my impression of struggling with the weird horn noise. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. This one's great. It's one of my favorites for sure. And this is like what the one where he really um goes into you know the struggle to survive. Yeah. Whether that be the struggle to survive and just like uh no, a rough city or just struggle to survive with all the drugs. A bad trip. Yeah. yeah, no, it's like he seems to be like switching between the two. Yeah, and like the, and the glitchy production, I think that gritty, that really like gritty, um, you know, glitchy production kind of like reaches its peak here. Yeah. At this point, it barely even sounds like actual music. It just sounds like a some sound effects that were very precisely chosen and just happened to Line up into a beat. I know, right? 
Yeah, it just it doesn't seem it it's definitely orchestrated, but it just doesn't feel like it, you know? It does feel yeah. like the experience of coming out of a drug trip almost. Yeah. Which I think we got some of that earlier on, but this is where it reaches that pinnacle. It's the pinnacle baby. Well, good in a relative yep. sense. <laughs> yep. How do we finish off the album with Feed Me? No, it's not that song. It's a different song. Oh, no, no, not that vibe at all. How do you feel about this one? I mean, it's scriptic. There's oblivion. Uh, I like the bells. There's a little bit of a soft note to go out on, but like, it's trip hop. I don't know. It's not really like a big finish type genre right i really think that it could have ended on the previous track is oh, it yeah. just me yeah yeah that would have been like struggling would have been a good closer a good statement piece but yeah no you have another um i guess thing to lesson to wrap things all up like did you learn anything from all this and i guess the answer is inconclusive uh, England under John Major was not very fun. Maybe no, do drugs. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. You gotta make it through somehow. Yeah. I just hope he's found other ways to make it through somehow. Yeah. Well, he's got his That's what art is for, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how he got out of it back in the day. Anyway, this was a good listen. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. Um... Yeah, got to really get more into trip hop because I I feel like I've flirted with it before with my listening tastes, but I haven't really totally done a deep dive. So this has given me that spark of curiosity. Yeah, glad to hear. Well, that is all about all the time that we have for today, folks. The albums that we listened to were Food House by Food House and Max and Quay by Tricky. I'm Caleb Clark. And I'm Eric Rick. And thank you for listening to the British Year's Club.